Hey there, welcome to the show. Ah, uh, yes, my favorite time of the week, Sunday at noon here on News Talk 1010. And I am your host, Todd Z. Slater, and I have a lot to talk about today regarding real estate. So just so you know, we've got a couple guests joining us this hour. Dave Butler from BM Select, Butler Mortgage. Yeah, Dave's going to be here. I know you're getting used to Dave on the show every couple of weeks. It's always good because we get an update on what's happening in the finance world of real estate and uh, what is the Bank of Canada thinking? Well, I'm going to ask Dave that question, of course, because he's following it on a regular basis. Um, I do have a new guest joining me uh, this hour, though. Elton Ash, Executive Vice President of Remax Canada. And for most of you who know, uh, Remax is uh, probably the biggest brokerage or real estate uh, facilitator here in Canada and lots of agents uh, that are working for them. And uh, so Elton's going to join me because we're going to talk about what is going on with the federal election and what we can anticipate is going to happen. So again, lots to talk about. And speaking of talking about, um, I've got our next real estate investment webinar coming up. That's right. Thursday, September the 23rd at 7 p.m. You can go to thesimpleinvestor.com to register. So why should you tune into this? Well, a lot of things I'd like to talk about, obviously, is investment real estate and who makes the best tenant, you know, what is the best kind of property you should be buying. I'm going to talk about our release that we've got going on right now where you can get guaranteed rent no matter what, no costs of improvements or repairs. And for $269,000, you will get a 750 square foot unit in London, Ontario. So again, real exciting, lots to talk about during our webinar. And with the webinar, you can always book an appointment with me and I'll have a one-on-one -on -one with you. We can have a chat and find out if real estate investment is in your future. And to keep you up to date, you can go to, to my Instagram account, the Simple Investor one if you want to know what is actually going on. So as I mentioned, you know, and I try to do this every single week, and I want to keep it real always, is my real estate rant. And, you know, I do appreciate uh, some of the comments from everybody. Uh, I do try to keep it as simple as possible, but more importantly, I, I, I like taking some of these headlines and, you know, really drilling them down and finding out how much BS is actually sitting in some of it, because this is the problem is that coming into a federal election, there are so many promises that are being brought out that uh, that it's just it's staggering. And I just don't know how we de decipher who's actually real or who has just, you know, been out there on cloud nine. So I do want to talk about that uh, this hour. And uh, one other thing though, I do want to talk about, about the real estate crash and you know how it's, uh, it's already here and everybody should be worried and concerned. And yes, I am just kidding. But when you hear a headline that August home sales down, a supply fell 43%. All right. So as most people know who tune in the show, I, I have, you know, I, I, I take exception when we start hearing these percentages thrown around every single week only to create a different narrative. So in, in some cases, when we hear supply fell 43%, automatically it sounds like, you know, the market's falling apart. Uh, prices went up though. And so what happens with supply and demand? And this is, this is that age old question about why the real estate market is in the situation it is today. And for those of you that have been thinking that this is all generated just from COVID or those greedy realtors or the lower interest rates, okay, I'm going to sit there and tell you no. 
Okay, this has been probably three to four decades in the making, and we have had an inventory shortage for years, but yet nobody's really truly wanted to recognize it. There's never been an oversupply in the last 30 years of property. Now, you can talk about the crash in 89, 88, 89, and we can tell talk about the adjustment in 2009, which really didn't affect the Canadian market. That was more a U.S., base crash. But when we talk about the actual, you know, buyer slash purchaser to being owner occupied to, you know, it's sellers, the number has never balanced. It truly hasn't. There's never been a time where we had, you know, 10,000 properties listed on the market and we had 10,001 buyers. It's never happened. In fact, we've always had a supply shortage, but it's only gotten worse over the last 10, 20 years. Now, you know, the government needs to own some of this because they made it much more affordable over the last 20 years by introducing CMHC, Canadian Mortgage and Housing Corporation, that will do insured mortgages, which means you can actually buy, you know, property with 5 or 10% down. So again, these are owner-occupied. You can't do that with an investment property. But now you can buy and live, let's say, in a condo, and you just have to come up with 5% plus your closing costs. All right, fair enough. So we've made it a little bit easier. Now, for those of you that are sitting there saying, hang on, Todd, things aren't affordable. Well, when we talk about a, let's say, a downtown condo for 700000 so $35,000 is not uh, you know, affordable, so you want to buy in for ten or twenty. And this is where the problem lies, is that the expectation shouldn't be set that everything has to be affordable. If you're going to have home ownership, you sometimes have to push and strive for it. But here's my here's my big issue with this, is that during the campaign, what we've seen is some platforms coming out into the real estate market that are just absolutely insane. And I'm sorry I use that word, but quite frankly, I get really frustrated with numbers that are impossible to be met. Okay. It's just, it, it's not going to happen. So, you know, you may as well say, we're going to build a billion homes rather than saying a million or 500,000. I mean, you know, we, we've always had issues. And when we start talking about affordability and how things need to be mandated, not all of this is a federal government issue. In fact, one of the biggest things that I think everybody should focus on is right in their own backyard. Now, I know that's tough, but we need to get municipalities to be able to move forward with more building, get rid of that red tape. And I know this sounds like I've been beating this dead horse, but it becomes very front and center during these election campaigns. I don't hear any candidate sitting there saying, we're going to empower the municipalities or we're going to give tax breaks to the municipalities to build more properties. Where is that promise? Give me an actual candidate that would turn around and say, here's how we're going to encourage. We're going to give better tax breaks to municipalities so they can lower the development charges. We're going to free up more land. We're going to do this. We're going to do that and let the municipalities run it so we get more things built. Now, just because we have more inventory, does that make it more affordable? I mean, we've got too much of a delta between what we need and what we want, and this is the problem. Now, how about the introduction of all these new immigrants? Now, again, some of these governments or some of the political you know, candidates are sitting there saying, oh, we're going to you know, even push harder. We're going to get more people immigrating. We need more people in the workplace. Agreed. Where are they going to live? So this is where, again, purpose-built rentals is now just barely coming on some of these candidates' list of things that we're going to require. 
Now, as I mentioned, you know, taking a look at some of these platforms, there's a few things that I do like, and I, I'll just say do like. I'm not going to love them. But, you know, repurposing some buildings, not a bad idea. Take some of that federal stuff. You know what? It's already been paid for by us. Do some renovations. Get some inventory into place, at least to help some of the people that require it. But how do we, how do we gauge what is affordable? Now, again, it's not just about your income. Affordability isn't just because your paycheck is X, because eventually it could be X plus Y. So what is affordable? And of course, the one big thing, and, and I, I made a big noise about this, and I, and I still have to beat this drum, is the fact that people want to introduce that all, you know, when, when the Liberal government said, we want to make bidding wars criminal, and we want to turn around and mandate the auction style for sales, immediately I'm going to tell you, I'm going to hit the brakes on that one and say there's not a chance ever that that should be permitted. And the reason why, the main reason why, is it's your asset you decide. Now, I know that, you know, looking at some of the comments, we've had a lot of, you know, purchasers out there saying, oh, that's a great idea. It's only a great idea on paper until you sit in front of the person that wants the home more than you do. And then you turn around and you try to outbid them. Okay, think about it. You know, have you ever watched Storage Wars or any of those, you know, made for TV, you know, kind of shows? Well, in an auction scenario, and I can tell you, I get dragged around to auctions as a kid. My dad was one of these antiquers, and he always wanted to turn around and go to the next great auction in Southern Ontario. One of the reasons why I know all the small towns in Southern Ontario is because I probably ate, you know, a, a ham sandwich at an auction while my dad tried to outbid somebody for a certain credenza. So here's the thing. It's amazing how aggressive people get when they can see their eyes, where they can see the foam in their mouths. You think, you know, when you deal with houses, it's going to be any different? In fact, you're going to make more mistakes buying a house in a bidding war via auction style than when you can turn around and let your, your agent, or for that matter, your own, your own thoughts, catch up with you and say, is, does this make sense? Should I pay this much? I mean, there is that kind of stall tactic when you're in a regular bidding war, where you go outside and say, do you want to improve your price? At least you have that aha moment to make that decision. Sometimes during an auction process, that's not going to happen. And you could very well overbid on something like this. So in my opinion, looking at what these candidates are promising, um, there's nothing, there's not a platform out there that is going to solve our housing concern, our shortage, our affordability. And by the way, it's not the foreign buyers. You know, the numbers are proving it time and time again. It's not the foreign buyers driving it. So them hopping on the platform saying no fire of, you know, foreign buyer ownership for the next two years. Okay. A little short sighted. You know, you're just trying to appease those people that keep saying it's the foreign buyers creating the problem. So what is the solution? Well, here's the thing. Actually, part of the solution is going to be you. And that's where you're going to have to, you know, push your MPs, push your, your local government, push the municipalities and tell them, look, you know what? We're okay for development. We've got to turn around. We need to create more. It's not necessarily just for us. It's the next generation that we need to be concerned with. They may not have an opportunity to own just because there's nothing to own. And with more immigration coming, that means that we're going to have more people renting. These are the kind of things that you need to keep in mind. Anyways, that's my rant for this week. I want to keep it simple as, as possible, but it's a tough one because, you know, we've got so many promises being made. I just don't see how anyone's going to keep them. But the one promise I'm going to keep you is that if you tune in on Thursday, September the 23rd at 7 p.m., 
for our uh, real estate investment webinar. I'm going to give you as much information as I possibly can, let you know a little bit more about real estate uh, that you should invest in, where you should go to. And it's not just about us, just, you know, it's not just about the simple investor. It's actually about you and what you can do to create generational wealth and probably protect the future of your kids. And uh, when we come back, I've got Dave Butler joining me. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. As I mentioned, just before the break, my guest joining me, well, he's actually more of a regular for me now. He's almost part of my panel. He is Dave Butler from BM Select. And Dave, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much, Todd. Always appreciate it. Yeah, great to hear from you. And uh, just thought I'd, uh, you know, kind of get an update. Bank of Canada, once again, is leaving the rates where they are. Where do you see us going? I know I know, you get asked this question all the time, but it just seems like so much going on in the world. I kind of feel pretty confident these interest rates aren't moving anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, if we look back at, uh, if we, get, if we pull out of the recordings of uh, you and I on the air, uh, for the past uh, year, I think uh, our message is the same. We don't think the Bank of Canada is an, anywhere close to a position to raise interest rates um, as much as they'll float the idea out there in their language that, you know, they're with, you know, with inflation and everything else. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, we just don't see it. Um, I don't see fundamentally how they can increase rates at a time like this. Uh, there's still so much uncertainty. Um, so for now, uh, rates are super low. And what's happening, Todd, is uh, we've got an interesting situation and setup. You've got a lot of people from 2017, 2018 that signed five-year mortgages before the rates really dropped. Um, and we're now coming into a time where it makes a lot of sense for these clients to refinance early to get to take advantage of the lower rates. We've also got people coming up uh, for renewals next year. So there's a lot of people that signed in 2017 that have renewals coming up in 2022, and they're going to be able to drop from, let's say, a 3.89 rate into something much lower, almost half. So uh, a lot of a lot of movement on the horizon and a lot of mortgage business being done. You know, and I'm glad you brought that up, Dave, because it's a great point for so many, because in 2016, 17, those were the big years in real estate transactions. You and I both know we were following it together. And when we saw, you know, when you, when you get over 100,000 transactions in a year, that's that's a lot of real estate being written. So you have to know that a lot of people were locking in in that five year. It's kind of a knee jerk reaction for some. So you know, when we take a look at it now, and as you mentioned, you know, 2022 is going to be a big renewal year. The idea that people can turn around, you know, house values have gone up significantly. And on top of that, you've got a lot lower interest rates. Are we going to find more people that are going to go towards, let's say, a HELOC property? So home line, equity line of credit. Are we going to see more of that in the future? We're actually already seeing it. Uh, you know, you have, you know, for those that are already on, let's say, a decent interest rate or they've got quite a bit of time left on their term, but now they've got this unrealized equity, um, we have been doing a lot of HELOC applications. So a lot of home equity line of credit applications. Um, that seems to be quite a big thing. And as you and I know, uh, you know, working with real estate investors, um, everybody wants to get their hands on cheap capital and there's no better place to look than obviously uh, your property. Uh, you know, you've got 
uh, people realizing in the last couple of years, the properties have gone up by hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, they may not need the money right this second, but they want to get access to it. So we are seeing a lot of people coming to us and asking us uh, what kind of options they have. And the, 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 the glaring option for anyone that doesn't need money right this moment, but wants to have access to it is a home equity line of credit because you do not pay interest on it until you use it. So for someone that maybe has an idea in the future that they maybe want to do some renovations or they might want to get into the investment world and pick up some properties, the time to actually get access to that capital is now so that when you do use it, that's when you'll be paying interest on it. Remember, you'd never pay interest on a home equity line of credit until you actually use the money. Um, it's treated just like a regular line of credit, except it's usually much bigger and it's at much cheaper interest rates. Yeah. And, and I think that's great advice. You know, one of the things I've been trying to advise uh, a lot of people in the last little while is they should get an up-to-date appraisal on their property because so many people want to speculate on what their values are worth. But, you know, the one thing everybody should know is where are they sitting in an equity position? Is this something you advise clients, even if they're, you know, just only thinking some, about something in the future? Because in, in my opinion, knowing the true value and, and nothing against realtors, because, you know, they, they only work with what a willing buyer is willing to pay. And you only know that when it hits the market. You know, we can use all sorts of analysis and, you know, being, being in that world for, for many, many years, you know, you could always say, well, this house sold for this, so your house must be worth that. But you never truly know. So, you know, it's good to have, I think, an ironclad appraisal, you know, even if it's every, you know, five years, just to know where you're sitting from an equity standpoint. Well, you're bang on. I mean, uh, I think you and I have even chatted about this in the past. I mean, I have, you know, a, a myriad of clients that I come to that come to me, sorry, every couple of years and we will get an appraisal done on their property. I mean, you know, an appraisal does not cost a lot of money. I mean, it ranges from 300 to $500 and that's, for you to get a bank appraiser in there, you're going to be you're going to be able to determine the value of your home, the increase that has it has had since you last had it appraised. And I think that's just very important for anyone. I mean, if you're looking at a net worth statement for an individual, one of the biggest, if not the biggest, asset on there is going to be the property um, or properties. And I think it's very important to know what the up to date values are. Um, and as you said, you know, real estate agents are obviously a great um, resource for that, but also real estate agents are coming at it from a different angle. Um, whereas a bank appraiser is actually coming at it from what it actually will be valued at if we do end up doing a refinance or a home equity line of credit. So very, very important to get that done. I know personally for myself, I do it. Um, I like to always know kind of what the comparables are in the neighborhood. Um, I just like to be informed and uh, we have a lot of clients. And again, because we work with mainly real estate investors, a lot of real estate investors are wanting to see what the values are of their properties now compared to what they were prior to COVID. So um, we do see that quite a bit. That is that has become kind of something that uh, uh, a lot of our investors are looking to do. So Dave, I don't know if you got the memo, um, but this one I thought you'd find uh, you know interesting. Uh, did you know that the real estate market crashed in August? Uh, in fact, um, the supply fell by forty three percent. So you know that's it. World's over. You know, uh, real estate market's going to crash. But here, that's just for some factual numbers. Um, you know, we saw an, uh, almost twenty percent drop. Um, you know, from the year before. And I find that uh, that interesting because prices actually went up. And this is where, you know, I think we have to take a look and just realize that I think the real estate world took a pause. You know, everybody said, hey, let's go to the cottage. Let's, you know, actually live life. Let's go to a patio. But everybody's now going, you know, and, and it's exactly how 
um, you know, how these some of these titles go. August home sales down as supply fell 43%. You know, and I think everybody just looks at August home sales, 43% decline. Oh, you know, immediately they go to that. But it's just inventory has just literally dropped because I think everybody's taking that pause. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think uh, if we pull, I, I almost want to believe when we pull the last segment that I was on with you a couple of weeks ago, um, we actually talked about how we think seasonality is coming back. Um, we didn't have that seasonality last year. Um, there was the, the unexpected pause, if you will, in March and April and pieces of May in 2020. Um, that's typically when the market starts to ramp up into a nice a hot summer season. Um, very different last year. We had the kind of forced pause with COVID and the world shutting down, and then we kind of lost our seasonality. And uh, we had talked about this on the previous uh, time I was on the show, that I think and you think that seasonality will come back. Um, the world was acting a lot more uh, normal, if you will. Uh, patios opening. We've got some provinces that were dropping mask mandates. So that, that leads to the world kind of going back to normal. And with that is the seasonality. August is traditionally a month where a lot of people are taking their final vacations before their kids go back to school. Um, so you're not thinking so much about buying properties a lot of times. And uh, But I think we will see um, that kind of back, you know, the, the, what I say, a back if you will, uh, we will see activity start to pick back up a bit in September, October, and then we'll get that probably November, December, January, um, typical kind of seasonal lull. And then uh, we'll kind of, I would assume, get ourselves back into more of a normal spring and summer market next year. But all in all, I mean, when they talk about this crash, as you point out, um, this is a supply issue. Uh, when we think of crashes, you know, you usually want to think of price. Um, when you have supply at these unbelievably low levels and you still have extremely high demand, uh, the only thing to move there is P, which is price. So we are seeing price increase, uh, even though uh, supposedly units are down. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's a great point. And uh, Dave, if our listeners want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to reach you? They give us a shout at one 684 They can also email us. Our email address is info at bmselect.ca, and we would be uh, happy to work with any of your listeners. Excellent. Well, listen, Dave, thanks for coming on the show. We'll talk to you in the next couple of weeks, and uh, thanks for joining us. I appreciate it, Todd. As always, take care. Excellent. Folks, that was Dave Butler from BM Select, Butler Mortgage. And when we come back, I've got Elton Ash, Executive Vice President of Remax Canada, joining me. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. As I mentioned just before the break, my next guest joining me, uh, he is Elton Ash, Executive Vice President of Remax Canada. And uh, Elton, welcome to the show. Great to be with you today. I appreciate your time. Um, I know uh, you know it's uh, quite an interesting landscape that we're dealing with uh, right now with real estate, and I was hoping to get some of your opinions. And um, maybe you can, you know, give us a little bit of history about yourself. And, you know, I do understand you're with Remax. Um, so maybe you can tell us a little bit about the company. You bet. I'm the uh, uh, executive vice president for Remax Canada. And uh, we're, of course, national in nature, worldwide in nature. We're in uh, 120 countries around the world with 140,000 sales associates situated in those countries. Here in Canada, uh, we have 22,000 realtors, making us the largest uh, real estate franchised organization in the country, uh, with about a 33% national market share. So 
We certainly are heavily involved in real estate brokerage across the country, and I've been with the organization 37 years now and been a licensed realtor for nearly 41 years, so I've been around a while. Wow. <laughs> so you've seen all sorts of markets, and I do want to talk to you a little bit about what the markets are looking like right now. You are on the, you know, the western side of Canada, and you know, there's some marketplaces, obviously, that have had just incredible strength through the last several years, some that have had their ups and downs, and perhaps we can talk a little bit about the, the western provinces to start, and then we can you know, take a look at the rest of Canada. But you are, uh, you are native to Kelowna, I understand, and you know, a lot of times when we talk about BC, everybody talks about how high the prices are and how valuable real estate is out in that area. Well, certainly the the case in with Kelowna specifically in the interior of British Columbia, it's where, as I often say to my American counterparts, that we're the Florida of Canada, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, you know it's a destination and uh, high retirement um, population, but also a very high recreational population for second homes. Uh, we're always proud to say there's like 64. NHL players that have their summer residences here on Okanagan Lake, but the uh, and so when you take that along with the high tech sector, uh, which is a growing part of the economy, uh, KF Aerospace, which is Canada's largest uh, flight maintenance facility uh, here in Kelowna, and so there's just a lot going on with the local economy. And, of course, British Columbia and Vancouver, which is always in the news as being Canada's most priciest market and affordability issues that, of course, accompany that, uh, similar to Toronto, you know, in the GTA in that regard, where uh, given the current uh, federal election that we're in and the affordability issue, issues right across the country, unless you're in Alberta or Saskatchewan, um, you know, it, it, housing brings some interesting perspectives. I agree 100%, and that's why I was you know, hoping to have a good chat with you today about several things. When you bring up the federal election, I hate to tell you, but I cringe with some of the candidates and some of the commitments that they're trying to you know, put across to the voters regarding real estate. You know, there's all sorts of other platforms. I'm not going to touch on those. You know, I, I prefer to be a real estate expert. And when, when we take a look at some of the commitments, I saw a breakdown that you had uh, made some comments about, obviously a few things uh one of course is you know the inventory the lack of inventory in obviously right across canada and how some of these some of these candidates are trying to propose what they're going to come up with solutions some of them don't even have a platform on it you know some of them want to it seems like bribe buyers i just you know maybe maybe you can break it down for us Give us your perspective on on some of these commitments on the campaign trail. Well, it, yeah, I mean you've you've hit the nail on the head, and this is so typical of politics and short term points of view. In other words, in other words, get elected today, and and then uh, four years or whenever, as this case is, when elections are called, uh, will 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 you know be promising again. It's. I mean, real estate and the affordability issue is a focus for all Canadians. It's a complex topic, and and even just you and I talking about how the federal election is, it's more than federal policy. It's actually all three levels of government, and there has to be 
a better understanding of really what's causing issues because the governments at every level look at demand and trying to tax demand to control it. And that just does not work. And we've seen that over and over again. This is truly a supply side issue. We need more rental units. We need more single family. We need more you know, condominiums. Well, that's a little different story. There's a ton of them out there. And of course, they have not gone up in prices dramatically as single family or detached housing has exhibited. But you look at just the overall housing and we're, from a rental point of view, we need more multifamily uh, structures, apartments to be built to address that issue. There's one point you know, 8 million immigrants to come into the country over the next five years, according to whatever party you're, you're listening to, well, where are they going to live? I mean, and, and, and they're important for the country to grow. We need immigrants, but the, the real issue is, is where will they live and how do first time home buyers get into the market with the ever escalating prices? And so they just miss the point entirely and have to look at how can they incent housing, how can they work with provincial governments and municipal governments to reduce red tape and get these things going. So, yeah, they missed the mark on most of it. You know, it's it's one of those things, and, you know, with four decades behind you in real estate, I don't know if there's probably ever a year other than right after a crash year that anybody could ever say that real estate is affordable. You know, I mean, here's the thing. We, we have desirable cities. We all want to trumpet the fact that we are world-class cities. We want to have, you know, infrastructure. We want to have certain things. And, you know, we want to have schooling. We want to have employment. We want to have everything at our fingertips. And yet, the first complaint is, is that if you want to be, uh, you know, within a walking distance of, of everything, people want to complain about how much it costs. But, you know, there's got to be really, a, you know, a, a coming to the moment where people understand that, you know, when you play the game of Monopoly, you know, Boardwalk's the most expensive place. But if you if you live at Marvin Gardens, it's going to cost you less. Why is it that people cannot understand the theory that proximity costs, location, location, location costs, and at you know, in the end of it. You know, everybody wants to push the prices down, but that's not reality. That's not what's happening to the rest of the world. So why is it that we have to jump on the bandwagon and say, we must reduce the cost of real estate? That That's going to yeah. be detrimental to the economy. Well, and, and I don't think it's so much the general Canadian population as it is politicians that push these sorts of things because it, it, there, it's an easy target and it gets votes. Um, I think Canadians truly understand uh, what location means and the value that that brings. I think where the issue ultimately comes down to is, is truly understanding that um, government can take responsible positions and work at all three levels to, to really uh, work on the supply side. But you know, the one thing that the COVID pandemic has really brought out from a business perspective is that people can work remotely very productively and that we see have really seen a movement of population out of the urban areas and that's what's really driven the market this past 18 months um, it, you know since the economy shut down in March April 2020 and then housing started you know a year ago at this time, it was like, how can this be happening? We see this huge demand and no inventory and prices escalating. But people were transitioning because they were living in their homes, the kids underfoot, working at home and suddenly realizing, 
you know, what I thought was the ideal home isn't really so <laughs> ideal now. And they can work at the, in the smaller communities where housing is cheaper, lifestyle is better, and, and enjoy not having to be in the commute right, every morning and, and after, late afternoon and really enjoying the kids and, and having them at home because there's a little more room and uh, work is, uh, life is just more enjoyable. I would have to agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, Elton, we're going to go to a quick break, but when we come back, folks, I've got Elton Ash, Executive Vice President of REMAX Canada, joining me, and we'll be right back after this. And welcome back. My guest joining me is Elton Ash, and he is Executive Vice President of Remax Canada. And just before the break, we were talking about, you know, the situation where COVID has actually reinforced the necessity for a home meeting the family's needs. And this is why we've seen such a huge uptick not just in changing of home ownership, but also, uh, Elton, one of the things that, you know, we've also noticed is a lot of people doing a lot more renovations. You know, if you want to get a hot tub right now, pretty difficult. If you want to put in a pool, you've got about a two-year wait for most companies. You know, one of the things that I think that we've we've seen is more people actually reinvesting into their houses. For sure. And as part of this whole lack of inventory that's out there, because people have looked around at, at uh you know, making a change to a home that's more suitable within their local community. And there's a lack of inventory. Prices have escalated. So what's the alternative? Well, let's look at doing a renovation and just changing the space that we're in, which is really an ideal situation because typically you love where you live. Uh, You you bought that home uh, a few years ago, whenever, and for specific reasons, they're still valid for you. So let's make a change, but then you're 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 met with supply side shortages. <laughs> We're talking supply a lot, whether it's housing or hot tubs, and uh, that's uh, unfortunately a, a casualty of COVID. And uh, companies is keeping up with employ with employees and, and everything that's involved with that. Again, a bit of a complex topic, but nevertheless, the reality is is people are staying in in place and renovating their home. And that increases the asset value of their of their home as well. There is um, there is a hot topic that was floated by the Liberal Party, and I wanted to get your take on it. The fact that they they think that bidding wars should be criminal, and actually people get criminally charged for doing it because they believe that this is part of our housing issue. And you know, you and I've talked now for a little bit about the fact that inventory is really the real issue. It's not the actual bidding wars. You know, they also want to throw foreign buyers under the bus on that one too. But but ultimately, the idea of a government that would turn around and mandate the way you get to sell your greatest asset. You know, I do know that you know you you are. You, know, you do believe in transparency, but the idea of this, I, I think, is ridiculous. They want to follow the Australian model, which is not being followed by everybody in Australia. It just They want to use that as an example. And quite frankly, I think that bid wars, if you turn around and do an auction style where everybody can see the bidders, I actually think that it is, is detrimental to the buyer because they don't get to think properly. And at the same time, I think they'll overpay. And, you know, we actually traveled over to Australia, oh, nearly 20 years ago and really looked as an organization because we looked at the Australian process and thought, you know, there maybe there's something there. It seems relatively successful there. We went over there and actually did a lot of research on it. North Americans view auction as a sale of last resort. In Australia, it's viewed as a sale of first choice. And 
it's just cultural differences. Um, and, and in the right circumstances, an auction can be very good, but you really hit the nail on the head because what ultimately ends up happening is buyers feel pressured and it's peer pressure. I grew up on the ranch in Saskatchewan. Auctions is a second nature for me. That's how we sell cattle. And, and, but you see it happen even in that environment where you're bidding and we're competitive in nature. Right. And that can come back to hurt us. And I'll, I'll say uh, firsthand is when I was a young farmer, uh, buying some cattle, I got caught up in that and paid a little too much from time to time for, for cattle. And the ROI wasn't that good on it, but I, that's the issue. Now, as far as mandating and making a criminal, that is, you know, unrealistic. Plus the real challenge here is that Real estate sales and licensing and regulation is a provincial mandate. It's not federal. And so, yes, there needs to be greater transparency. No question of that in this whole bidding process. It, people, again, it is competitive. Even with the current system, when you're a buyer, you've, you've made offers on other homes that you've lost in competitive issues with multiple offers. And so here's a home, we got to get it. And so you end up making an offer 200,000 over list price. You don't know what those other five offers were, and they might have been five or 10,000 over list price. So there needs to be greater transparency, but to make a criminal, that's just too far reaching and, well, quite frankly, irresponsible from my point of view, but (laughs) (laughs) but there needs to be something there and provincial regulators have to look at that. Yeah, I, I, I do in some ways think that the government needs to keep their nose out of certain things. Uh, definitely the offer process, I, I agree with you, more from a provincial minis- or a municipal or from that matter, you know, some of the area associations, real estate associations, you know, they can mandate things and change things up more internally so that there's more control given to both parties. But we do have to be careful because, you know, with with things that float around with some of these governments suggesting things such as even capital gains on your primary residence. Um, these are the kind of things that I think that, you know, all consumers need to be mindful because again, this asset base is one of the things that people count on for their retirement. And I think if we monkey around with it too much, it's going to actually hurt us more financially. Absolutely. And and it's important then as, especially with the election now to really deep dive with the candidates as you, as, as we as voters look at who we want to mark our X next to on the ballot, it's, uh, it's important, and this is in all, all aspects, to, uh, to really weigh carefully where you want to be voting. So one last question. You know what? We, we have seen a huge surge, uh, obviously, in real estate over the last, call it, 14 months. You know, we've quieted down a little, became a little bit more seasonal because, you know, some of the areas have opened up. And we did see in the GTA, you know, volume went down. Prices did not, but we saw volume go down. Do you think over the next 18 months we can look at still market staying stable? Some people are calling it a bubble. They think it's going to burst. And quite frankly, I, I disagree wholeheartedly. I think what we've done is we are now at kind of more of a norm where real estate should be sitting. Yeah, we're on the same page as your thoughts. The economy is coming back. Bank of Canada, but with uh, Tuesday's rate announcement, you know, has has maintained the historically low overnight rate and certainly signaled that uh, probably going to be Q322 a year from now before we see any increase there at all. Inflation is kind of coming under control. There was some concern there. 
unfortunately GDP hasn't kept pace and so we we but the economy will be recovering as we uh, and that's a hard thing to say because it's not the economy recovering service sector will be recovering that's the issue right it's the hospitality industry the restaurants and and that sort of thing that has been hit by covid high tech sector on the other hand is going crazy but it's and so as we look at the service sector recovering now all signs are that the economy is going to be pretty stable over the next three to five years, and hence so will real estate. And it's settling out, as you just mentioned. It has become more seasonal now. This uh, More inventory is coming on to the market. Not enough, so we're still seeing some price increases relative to, to the strong demand, but it is settling down. Well, listen, I really appreciate you coming on the show with me today and your insight. And, uh, you know, I look forward to having you on again. Certainly look forward to it. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you so much. Folks, that was Elton Nash, uh, Executive Vice President of REMAX Canada. Well, you know what? There we go. Another one done. You know, I hope everybody is enjoying the first week back at school. Well, not entirely first week, obviously. It's been a bit of a broken week, but I hope uh, I hope everybody's being safe and, you know, kids are getting back to school. Maybe a little bit of normalcy coming their way. And speaking of normalcy, you know what? We should be looking at the real estate market, hopefully, um, kind of normalizing a little. I don't like the huge pressure of the multiple offers. I do like seeing people obviously uh, do well in real estate, but you know, these heated moments, it makes it a little tough and we want people to be able to make sound decisions when it comes down to buying real estate. And speaking of sound decisions, uh, if you haven't signed up for our next webinar, our simple real estate investment webinar coming up Thursday, September the 23rd at 7 p.m., you can go to thesimpleinvestor.com to register. And you don't want to miss it. I'm going to be talking about our newest release, our last release for the year, uh, positive cash flow, everything about it. But also I'm going to talk a little bit about the nuts and bolts of investment real estate and why you are missing out if you are not a real estate investor. And you can also follow me on Instagram, the simple investor one. I do want to thank Ian Grant. He is my producer and every single week he does keep it simple for me. More importantly, I want to thank you for tuning in, making us the number one real estate talk show. And I will be back next Sunday as usual. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010.